This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our many differences often shows us indeed how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. Black means more than resistance. It also means every single other thing that you bring to it. That from our guest, Raina Kelly. She is the editor-in-chief of Anscape. Anscape is a Black media platform dedicated to creating, highlighting, and uplifting the diverse stories of Black identity. Raina also wrote the foreword to the book that we're going to talk about today, Black Told. It is a collection of essays, highly relevant, looking at resonant topics, and I don't even want to, to say which ones because I want Raina to tell us about it. Raina Kelly, welcome to Perspectives. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Black Told, collection of essays dealing with what subjects? Being Black in the world, right? And whatever that meant, whatever that, and, and the, it's 33 essays. And again, as you say, they are wild. Each is wildly different from the other, right? This is not 33 essays about um, Martin Luther King versus Malcolm X or who invented the traffic light and why do we only talk about it in February, right? This was an, uh, this was an example of trying to widen the lens on everything being black was about, right? Yes, it is about our past. It is about our history, but we don't necessarily see things. And sometimes we see them completely differently than our white peers or other brown and black, right? Being black in America is a very unique role, but also not monolithic. So we wanted to show people the wealth of the stories. That's all 33, about all kinds of different things. The depth, right? So we wanted to show people how we want to go deeper into our stories for nuance and authenticity and intentionality and inclusivity. Uh, and lastly, we wanted to do a book that sort of highlighted what we were becoming and what the world was becoming, right? Which was a place where black people felt much more free to say, and I've seen this on a t-shirt, I am the blueprint, right? Um, not talking about appropriation, talking about making new and putting our names on it. When you're looking at a scope as wide as that, how do you narrow it down to only 33 essays? Well, you know, because of the because of the mission of the piece, we wanted to take out right away anything that was hard response, hard hard takes, factual factual accounts of the news. Right? We wanted essays that had some opinion about them. We wanted essays that were less about being angry. Right? There was more than enough. More than there are more than enough reasons for us to have been angry over the last six plus years, except most of our readers were also angry about the exact same thing. And since we're writing for them, we wanted to write things that they would be interested in, stories that they don't know about, which is maybe Dom Foxworth's piece about the untold history of black babies and alligators, which is just as real and just as intense and just as sort of horrible as you think it is. However, the reason for reading it is not to relive any kind of trauma, but is to understand in a deeper, more accurate way what resiliency means. So as you are structuring 
the story because the essays from beginning to end do paint a very vivid picture. Talk to me a little bit about your process of, of putting that together and knowing what you absolutely had to have, as you've already shared, what you wanted to make sure that, yeah, we don't want too much anger because that's not what this audience is going to be looking for. Well, we knew we wanted, first of all, the first thing that we knew that we wanted was not so much joy because joy can be a bit of a empty word. We wanted satisfaction. We wanted um, contentment with the idea of what it meant to be black, with the definition of what it meant to be black, not just in America, but across the diaspora, right? For hundreds, thousands of years, we have been told what it is to be black. This is a moment, especially post George Floyd's murder, when nobody was in the mood to be told anything. So this was just an example, our great, a great example of what we were doing actually every single day. As I say in the forward, with a very long Google session, you could probably find most of those pieces yourself. But we live in a world that's so complex, so fast moving, so concerned with race, but so afraid to talk about it. Um, you know, in a world with so much anger, with a, a lack of a desire to talk about all the other emotions that are involved. And so we just wanted to, you know, pick, pick just the most extreme examples of what it meant to be joyful, of what it meant to go against the curve, of what it meant to not be what people assume you are. You've already mentioned one, and I'm going to ask you about another. Tell me about a little bit more about both of these essays. One about Black babies and alligators, and then I'm going to pivot and ask you to tell me about the, what is it, the low-key cool of our guy Jake from State Farm. <laughs> uh, Black babies and alligators is a story written by our writer, Dominique Foxworth, and it's a piece that goes into what people, the first thing that people find shocking, right? And it, the first thing that people find shocking is that there is such a thing as a history of alligators and black babies, whether that's babies, no spoilers, but whether that's babies used, some small spoilers, whether that's baby used, babies used as bait during hunts, whether that's them being the butts of jokes, whether that's their lives being lost in accidents, that the, the, the very idea that this history was real is untold stories come to the forefront. That was important. But the second thing is, is when people don't know and then they hear a fact and it's not backed up, the first thought that comes to their mind is that's not true or that's an exaggeration or that's an outlier or that's irrelevant. And the conversation of our history had been tied up in that. So part of it was an example of wanting <clears throat> to rebut the excuse, why do you put race in everything? Because there is race in everything. Why is there oxygen in water? That's just how they make it. So, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it, 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 it was that. And I, I, I love the low-key cool of Jake from our from uh, uh, State Farm, because that to me was a classic example of what we're trying to do at Anscape, which is for many, for the majority of people, 
right in this country. Jake was a new figure, a fresh face, swaggy, cool, fun, and an excellent way to sell all kinds of insurance. For Black people, he was our cousin, or he was our nephew, or we all knew at least one Jake, if not three of our, uh, you know, the three good cousins, right? Who always hung out and were really the one who you could always count on. I was not the Jake kid. The one you could always count on to run down to the store to get a gallon of milk and to come right back or to take the chicken out, like, or to be helpful. And it was a way of explaining that what is a shock to wider audience is not a shock to us. It's not, you know what I mean? And our stereotypes, our typologies, our archetypes of what it means to be black are far different than yours. And they're, or it's far different than others, excuse me. Uh, and they're more joyful. But that's not to say that while we all have Jake in our family, we still have Pookie in them as well, right? Oh, of course, of course, of course. That's what makes Jake, you know, you gotta decide who to give the money to to get the milk, yeah. I mean, if you want him to come back, you're going to give it to Jake. Exactly. Exactly. With the milk and your change. Maybe not. I think Jake would give you all the change. I was the kind of kid I try to hold back like 50 cents or a dollar. I give enough. think I would try to give enough change to get away with it. Now, Anscape is a part of the ESPN family and yeah. formerly was the undefeated. Can you talk to us about that transition, the rebranding, the new name? What happened there? That was about a year ago. And again, it was post the world. The whole thing started before the world changed, but right as we were thinking about our mission and how wide we wanted it to be, two things happened. One was the pandemic and second was the murder of George Floyd. Nothing was ever the same after that. And the word reckoning began to be thrown around. I know you know that, right? This is a reckoning about race. This is a moment. and. We took that moment, sort of gather ourselves and recognize that we've been doing this work for a long time. And that though it had started at the intersection of athletics and culture, right? Because so much of our history, social justice and otherwise runs through the sporting arenas. Um, we wanted to widen that lens because there was what we'd done for the athlete needed to be done for all of us. Right. There was so much unknown uh, out there, so many stories that we as Black people wanted to hear about ourselves that weren't being told. So we just sort of said, you know what? We're going to tell them ourselves. We're going to tell them ourselves. What is the significance of the name Anscape? We all, I think we all say it, say a little different, but I, it, you know, it's first of all, it's, there is no word in the in the dictionary before now as anscape it right off the bat we wanted it to be something new fresh cool unknown right but then to also express what we thought of about being black in this current moment which is that you bring to this conversation black and everything else that you are you are neither reduced to being black nor are you in any way, you know, sort of sanctified because you are black. What you bring to it is, you know, all sorts of knowledge. Uh, some of us speak Japanese. Some of us, you know, I mean, we are all different people, and we bring to it a very powerful and nuanced point of view together. 
And this was our way, the skate being that world, the and being all the different points of view we bring to it. And together, you know, we're bringing a much more intentional, humanizing definition of what it, you know, less traumatic definition of what it means to be Black in this world. These stories deal with Black Lives Matter, our history, arts and culture, and sports. What is it your, what is your expectation that readers will take away from this? That, well, that this is, that they, they will be surprised and delighted, right? No matter whether Black, white, anything, you will be surprised and delighted by all the different eccentricities and fun and cool, sometimes sad, sometimes tragic, sometimes provocative thoughts in the Black POV, right? It is not just a simple poll from the wire to the White House, right? That we have all, and that we are, we come in all shapes, sizes, and forms, A, but also we do all kinds of things, right? We are not, we are neither rappers or presidents we are also physicians and pharmacists and we own grocery stores. Um, and we used to have a thing called Black Wall Street. So it was all, you know, just a desire for people to open their eyes to the conception that being Black is infinitely larger than the story we hear every February. Any insight into why Black history is relegated to only 28 days of one month, the shortest month in the American year calendar. Allegedly the February is because it had Martin Luther King's birthday in it um, and seemed apt. Um, not sure if they were thinking also it had 28 days, so we'll get over it with it quick. But also, you know, it's 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 a traditional way of looking at history, right? Um where the minority or or the or or the margins are are kept in the margins, right? So you get a month, uh, whether you are a woman or you are Hispanic or you are LBGTQIA plus, all of those things you are relegated. And but if you are the majority, then you are sort of the water that we swim in. People hadn't really just had accepted that form of telling history until very very recently in which each of these voices, you know, and it's not only black people, um, many of these other groups I just said, who are like, no, 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 you're not gonna do that. You're not, we're bringing the margin to the middle. And we're gonna start talking about, you know, a lot of this before we were Anscape, when we were undefeated, we promptly, we were put in charge of Black History Month, which I always say was a mistake because we promptly changed the name of it to Black History Always and said, this is a year round thing. Um, and that's, you know, so that's, that's sort of what we wanted to do. As you should, Black History Always. Black Our History, history Always. History. In, in, in culling together these essays, I, I'm not remembering if there is something that deals with the work that was done with the 1619 Project and now the national debate over history, education, and what's being taught to our kids in schools. It's funny, the 1619 Project has been so influential that it is used oftentimes in our in much of our work as shorthand, but no, we discuss it. Um, there's one piece in particular, if you knew what the N word really meant, you would never use it, um, that deals with uh, many of the same precepts of 1619, which is to say critical race theory, 
right? But this idea, we share this with 1619, which is that in a country enshrined in documentation, revolutionary documentation about, documentation about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness reduces a population to three quarters of a person in its third sentence. Might be the fourth, might be the fifth, but you understand my point. It is a living, it is a, it, 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 and it, the country itself has had to paper and in papering over that hypocrisy, whatever word you want to call it, it has created, I don't want to call it original sin that has so much weight to it, but it has created an almost a vacuum effect in which we have, in which we haven't, we have no shared language to talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, you know, so we're just sort of bringing that out of the shadow, 1619, such an amazing project to, you know, continue to talk about, but just brought to the forefront this idea that it is very hard to be the land of the free built on the backs of others. And that leaves a mark in your history. How did you go about finding the writers to pen these essays? Luckily for me, I am the luckiest woman in the world. Uh, the vast majority of them already work at Anscape and do this work every day. I'm gonna say it at anscape.com. So a lot of it was just collecting their best pieces. Um, but secondarily, it was about gathering a freelance core and a writing core where we all, we don't have all the same opinions, but we all want to see the world from the same directionality, right? Which is not through the eyes of others othering us, but through our own eyes. Tell me, in the work that you and your team are doing at Anscape, is there any consideration given to Black people who are of a more conservative mindset? I'm thinking of the tremendous amount of influence right now that one member of the U.S. Supreme Court seems to have over our everyday lives. Yes. I mean, you know, what we try to do very much, what we try to do is we try to make, define and nuance that argument that much of what we're talking about is not politics, right? Politics is, if politics is who takes the, who's in charge of making sure the water's clean or you know, making sure that there are traffic lights, et cetera. And that this is, these are just human rights, right? And that what we're talking about is recognizing these people as human. Yeah, we do. We take that. We 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 do. We do because it's hard because what we're not trying to do is hot takes, right? You're wrong. You're right. Yes, that builds audience really really quickly, but again, it obscures the conversation. The other conversation that we're not having is that we're not talking about the world from the perspective of white eyes, right? And in many cases when you have conservative conversations, you are talking about a definition of blackness that black people didn't make. That is not Anscape's interests. You know, our sort of interests are in a being about this world for which we are the blueprint and accepting it and going forward that way. I raised the question with you because, of course, you're talking to uh, an audience of Georgians where we have a, a big election coming up, as many states do here with the midterms on November 8th. But in one of our races, a former college football player is uh, running for the United States Senate against 
the man who was the pastor of Dr. King's church. History is a strange thing, right? The, 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 the symbolism of what it means. I mean, it's also an interesting thing when you consider how few black senators there have ever actually been after reconstruction, right? We're talking about a handful. Um, and who benefits from these two senators being at each other's throats for one seat in a, in a, in a state so popular? Right. And about us being so divided over a topic that isn't actually about us, but is about this alleged supremacy of others. So I prefer to think about it. It does not, I am not from Georgia. I'm not living there now. Um, so I I apologize if this sounds distant, but the way I like to think about it is that um. We are working it out, right? That there are always going to be some people for whom black still equals less than, and there are going to be some people for whom it doesn't. And that is going to be, those are, that's part of, those are part of the hard conversations that we need to have. I already know the answer to this question. So I'm going to ask it anyway, sure. of the 33 essays that you've put in black told, is there, are there one or two that you were especially fond of? I know you love them all. They're like your children. I know you're going to love them all. They're like, but I, but, but I have to admit that I have a true fondness for the low key cool of Jake from State Farm because it is a revelation, right? This idea that the definition of all American runs right through our backyards. You know, it's just something that's so simple, so small, but is incredibly revolutionary and taking something that seems commercial and pro forma and making it special. Would you recommend that white readers pick up and read Black Told? Yes, because that's what we mean when we say do the work. It's not so much, uh, it's, it's uh, gaining deeper levels of understanding, it is knowing more, it's being less afraid, it's being more you know, intentional and authentic about your desire to create an anti-racist world. I could not have said it better. 33 dynamic essays with a forward by Raina Kelly, the editor, vice president and editor-in-chief of Anscape, the Black media platform dedicated to creating, highlighting, and uplifting the diverse stories of Black identity. Uh, Black Told, available to you now. Anything else you wanted to add before I let you go? Available where all books are sold and or go to anscape.com. And thank you. Raina Kelly, it's wonderful to talk to you. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Stay with us. In our next segment, with Election Day less than 10 days away, some food for thought from Pulitzer Prize-winning writer Cynthia Tucker on the Southernization of America. She and her co-author Fry Gailyard call it a story of democracy in the balance. This is Perspectives, and I'm Condis Presley. Down, are you 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 down, are